What's up, fight fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Sunday, April 18th, 2021, and this week's episode, One Weird Night. We'll be talking about everything Triller Fight Club, the non-event, I'll say, between Jake Paul and Ben Askren. We'll go back to the UFC talking about Robert Whittaker and Kelvin Gastelum and the greater implications in the middleweight division. Then we will talk about the latest in MMA news, several championships announced, as well as a new home for one of the biggest promotions in the United States. And we will close it out by talking about the big one, the return of fans in attendance for the triple header in Jacksonville, Florida, headlined by Kamara Usman and Jorge Masvidal. And, of course, Valentina Shevchenko and Jessica Andrade, Zhang Weili against Rose Namajunas. It's going to be a very packed show, so let's get right to it. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm here with my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. One weird night indeed. Have you recovered? Are you Have you moved on, or are you still, like, wallowing in the experience of uh, Triller Mania and UFC? How do you feel? You know what, um... I'm a big Dancing with the Stars fan, and every now and then the judges will say something when they've just had to watch a just absolutely horrible dance. And I remember one of the judges, you know, then it's like, you know, the guy asked him, you know, well, what did you think? And you could tell he's thinking about what to say, and he says on TV, well, that was a unique experience. (laughs) I got done with that, and I was like... That was a unique experience, if I may say so myself. What about you? Yeah, that's a nice, that's a nice, yeah, I was going to say, actually, when I was thinking about us having this conversation, I thought, you know, Double G is going to have a very diplomatic way (laughs) of referring to this (laughs) Triller show last night, Triller Flight Fight Club. Uh, So I'll say this, uh, because of uh, of my my, my boy, so maybe I should be grateful, um, I didn't get to experience all of it, you know, from beginning to end and one sitting, like I suspect you did and probably a lot of people did. So you got my, to fast forward past the bad parts, didn't you? You uh, freaking... except for the, for the, you know, from um, Frank Amir on. So I was there for, okay. for that live. And even that portion was frustrating because, you know, look, I'll just say this trailer fight club is not for, um, I guess I'll, I'll, we can put ourselves in this category, hardcore MMA fans, hardcore boxing fans. It's not for us, right? Because it's just not the experience we've been hardwired to to desire. So when you start injecting these performances, um, to me, it's like, dude, just get on with the show. It's it's like when when uh, regular boxing pay per views do the like the programming in between the interviews and stuff. That if you're a real fight fan, you've already seen it on YouTube or on you know TV, and so you don't need to watch it again. In this case, the the performances not for me. <laughs> Even if they're great, I just like, I just want to see the fights, right? I suspect you felt the same unless, I don't know, maybe... maybe uh, I want to get action. to that. I want us to work from the top down because okay. I feel like that's probably the easier way because we could talk a lot about what went oh, wrong boy. with the music. Proud. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to talk anthem. about the fight. Yeah. Okay. I, I, you know what? Ironically, I missed that. I was over in the, watching the UFC. I was doing the... um. I was going back and forth on my TV, so I had like my PlayStation on one, uh, you know, input running uh, the USC fights, yeah. and then I had the computer hooked up for Triller. Um, 
like I said, we'll get to. I, I want to give that its due. I think it all the beginning of the end, the beginning and the ending. Jake Paul needed uh, officially under two minutes to stop Ben Askren. Um, uh, there's not much to say about the fight itself. I thought that Ben looked like he had his awareness there. That being said, he did not have the speed or the power. And credit to Jake, I thought he was going to come out there and try to make him feel his size early. I was impressed how patient he was. I think that, I, I don't think many people expected him to let Ben come to him. So I want to give credit where it's due there. I expected, uh, I'll be honest, uh, I, I drank some of the Kool-Aid again, Natalie. Mm-hmm. I was hearing Freddie Roach say stuff. I was listening to Chael Sonnen. I was listening to everybody who suddenly started saying that, you know what, Ben Askren's deceptively strong. No, he was not. No, he wasn't. (laughs) I'm glad. I'm going to toot my own horn here and just say I was, I knew it. I called it so hard. I knew he didn't have a chance. I was drinking the dang Kool-Aid. They said it so. always says that. (laughs) They were saying it so convincingly, all right? (laughs) Anyway, um... Uh, look, so timing, it was, uh, you know, great work by Jake. He knew he was faster and he saw the opening. Ben did admit it in the post-fight. He was biting on the fakes a little too much. And, you know, the coaches were saying, stop that. And he didn't. And it was too too little too late. Uh, let's talk about that stoppage. Jake lands that overhand right and or right hand over the guard and just drops Ben. I have some thoughts Sunday evening that I did not have Saturday night and so you know look we just if you didn't see it Ben Askren does you know doesn't really take a long count he takes about as average of a count as any other boxer who gets knocked down does says yeah I'm ready to go he's got his hands up he's looking at Jake and the ref just calls it off and uh, it, it led to quite the stir on social media in the moment. I'm going to let you go ahead and tell me what you thought of it in the moment. And not after the fact, just when you're watching yeah, that of course. live. In the moment, yeah, I, I was surprised. I almost felt like I missed something because to me, he stood up and he was fine. And we've seen him take shots in the UFC um, and and um, prior to that as well. So, like, you know, he can take a shot except for that, except for that one knee. But otherwise, he can take a shot. Um, I was first of all I was stunned that that Paul dropped him so fast, okay, um, like almost so easily. But okay, so he does the count. He stands up. To me, he seems perfectly fine. All the rest, all of a sudden, waving it. I didn't understand what was happening, um, and so I was really disappointed. I think I was even like verbally, like you know, hissing at the TV, if you will. Um, just seemed like a bummer, especially because it's. and I'm the only person on the planet earth who paid for it. And so I was really bummed that that, like, I didn't even get my money's worth. Um, I fast forwarded through Justin Bieber. So I really didn't get my money's worth. And, uh, you missed the beeps. Yeah, I did. I was like, I thought it'd be one song and then he just kept going and going and going. Um, anyway, yeah, totally, totally did not think the ref should have called that. Uh, but look, he's right up there staring into Ben Askrew's eyes as Michael Buffer called him. And um, I guess, man, it is what it is. Ben Askren walks away smiling with his wife. And I guess it's because he gets paid no matter what. And he gets those pay-per-view points no matter what. But 
I didn't like it, and I didn't like how just over the moon, bawling, excited Jake Paul was. And I understand he had a death, and his one of his bodyguards died, and so he was emotional because of that. But I don't know, man. I don't think it's such a such a great victory to be so proud of. Like, Ben Askren never stood a chance. But in any case, that's just me. So, did you think it was uh Well, okay, I'll say this. I want to hear the difference between your Saturday thoughts to your Sunday thoughts. So Saturday night, I'm sitting there and I'm like, are you kidding me? Uh, I, I'm a just full disclosure. I was one of the few who was, uh, I, I covered a lot of stuff, right? I was at the, you know, did the press and all that. And so I'm going to just say that Triller was nice to me. And that's what I'll say about my view and experience. I have been the paying customer like yourself and so many people have been. And so I could tell you what I would have felt and I could understandably believe had, you know, my credit card been charged. Um, and my whole thing was like, you have got to be kidding me. I mean, look at what Ben Askren took from Robbie Lawler and you let that fight keep going. Freaking Tyson Fury was literally murdered and resurrected, mm -hmm. you know, like it was Easter. <laughs> and, uh, you know, gets back up to go to decision with Deontay Wilder and you're gonna stop this fight I was in uproar I, I was like you have got to be kidding me and uh, in my mind because I thought about like uh, I'll be honest there was too much music uh, and, and you know and I'll get into that in a minute but quite bluntly I that was such a poorly paced event for the action that we ended up having yeah at the end of it so when you tell me after all that you're gonna end the fight in particular in this way i was just like i don't know what to tell you to be honest it's just horrible in my opinion so in the moment that's what i felt i was like you i can't believe this this is you know what boxing is fixed and all this other stuff I've had a lot of time to watch the ringside video that's been retweeted a lot, like from SportsCenter, and I know Helwani retweeted it, and it's gotten a lot of buzz. Man, Ben Askren's head hit that canvas pretty... He stuck the landing <laughs> with his face, not his well, back. Yeah, he, he face-planted for sure. He stuck it with his face. That's, you know... M most of the time, you say that should be stopped for their own safety. He did get back up. And he was, I, I thought he had his wits about him. I, I'll be honest, I, I've been busy today. I saw the headline. I didn't get to read through it. I guess they talked to the ref who said, look, you know, I felt like I stopped it from its inevitable conclusion and how I felt about the way Ben landed. And I was like, maybe you're right. And so my thing is, do I, do I think he had earned a chance after all that to keep fighting? Yes. Am I also the guy who says, let's exercise some caution? Yes. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to be quiet now and say, that's how I felt then. This is how I feel now. <laughs> I mean, you can't be face planting like that and think you get the benefit of the doubt. If he had taken it and like, you know, broken his fall a bit or something... I could say that, but no, he took it on his face. That's a yeah. pretty... You, you you don't get the benefit of the doubt when you land like that. Yeah, he caught himself with his nose. I mean, that's, that was... Uh, that's what he did. So, yeah, he was definitely out on the way down. And, uh, man, but still, it's just... I guess, I guess you know, when you, when you take a moment to really appreciate how hard he face-planted, 
how there was no semblance of trying to catch himself, then, you know, really you should just be disappointed at Jake Paul for, for not playing with his dinner long enough. Right. Like he should have given us a little bit of a show instead of just blitzing him and knocking him out cold two minutes in. So, oh, well, uh, I mean, I'll tell you this. I wish I could have been there to hang out with Snoop to see what Dana texted him. Dude, I would have paid money. Two million. Right. But was did he have two separate bets, like one with Dana and one with somebody else? I think that he kind of got Dana to up the bet is the impression I got. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. I don't know, but. I would, I'll just say it, rich people problems. Yeah, ri- yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, real quick, uh, look, there were, everyone and their mom kind of called out Jake Paul. I, I want to toss probably the relevant ones. Tyron Woodley or Dylan Dennis, do you see a scenario where either of these guys actually gets the fight with Jake at this moment in time now? I think if Jake Paul, well, he is calling the shots. And so he'll probably want the the fighter who's got the bigger name the pedigree and that's tyron woodley and you know even though tyron woodley's lost four in a row in the ufc i mean jake paul called out ben Askren. ben Askren was retired he just had his hip replaced in november um he'd gone two and three in the ufc like it's not like he was aiming for the moon and then by calling out tyron woodley he would then be or by accepting a fight with tyron woodley he would then be like lowering his standards so i think it's actually um an improvement it's more of a challenge like tyron woodley has used his striking to win fights and works on it and you know it's part of his game even though he's a wrestler so that i like if you know if this is the world we're in where this like this arm of combat sports exists and isn't going away and so i'm fine to continue talking about it acknowledging it it's it's fun it's fine so if if that's the next thing Okay, I say Tyron Woodley over Dylan Dennis. Dylan Dennis has a big mouth, but he's his greatest claim to fame is being Conor McGregor's friend, and I don't know what the relationship is now, right? So, like, do they does Triller push for that in the hopes that McGregor shows up? That McGregor is is part of the whole story, maybe. Um, but Tyron Woodley has his own his own you know following too. Uh, my real issue though is like, why doesn't Jake Paul call out a boxer instead of MMA guys who aren't known to be like great strikers, you know, like call out wonder boy Thompson. I mean, call out someone who's like grew up using their hands and, and feet instead of, um, you know, for striking, but, but then he would lose and right, he would not, would and he would stop making money. <laughs> so he's doing the smart thing. Um, and you know, it's kind of like, I think about how Bellator is really good at, uh, progressing their fighters like um, I can't, I can't AJ remember. McKee and no well, yes of course the ones yeah. who are MMA fighters but the the wrestler the gentleman who was a wrestler oh, I, I know like Tyrell Fortune they're a bunch of okay. they're they're, lo- they're a lot of like the WWE wrestler Jake Hager Jake Hager. Uh, Jake Hager thank you like moving them along like giving them the right matchup to progress so that they can improve their game within the promotion yeah so you know that's kind of like what Jake Paul is doing on his own okay fine and Uh, let's be honest he's he's got the celebrity that he look bellator does that on you know until recently cable television free tv and jake paul's a celebrity he does that on pay-per-view main events yeah um so i want to jump in you know because i know we got a lot to talk about uh uh, 
Tyron Woodley smokes Paul. I mean, look, I get it. He's uh, I'll say this: fifteen fights. Uh, what is it? Three fights. He wasn't stopped with strikes. Vicente Luque. These are four ounce gloves, and you know I'll just say that. But you're really telling me you think Tyron Woodley gonna just get rolled over by Jake Paul even at this stage of his career? Come on now. Um, Jake Paul doesn't want that smoke. <laughs> I. So here's the trick about Dylan Dennis. I think that they would be a lot of fun to promote against each other if done correctly, and awesome. I have a lot of faith they could. Scott, I, I listened to Scott Coker this weekend, who was asked about it, and his thing was like, well, if you're going to do this, Jake Paul also has to fight him in MMA. Like, why is it? Uh, I, and I understood this as to say, I'm not against it, but if we're going to loan you one of our guys... We want to get some cash back too. Yeah, of course. And I'm like, you know what? That's fair. You think Dana White let Connor box for free? No. <laughs> you think the? I'll tell you this right now. Here's something I think a lot of people may not realize about Dylan Dennis. Uh, Cage Side Press, the outlet I mostly do the UFC videos for. Uh, we've talked to him in person once about maybe coming up on three years now. Every time I log in, there is still usually one notification that someone new has commented on our three-year-old Dylan Dennis video. Wow. He has a following that I'll just say bluntly, I do not understand for a guy who has fought as infrequently as he has. And his claim to fame, you know, his teammates with Conor McGregor and Habib, you know, flew like an eagle that one time (laughs) towards him. I I really... I cannot tell you just how much the Connor effect is real with Dylan. Uh, it's just a real thing. Do I think that they have the personalities that would be a lot of fun? Yes. Do I feel like Dylan, better striker, younger, bigger, faster than Ben Askren? Yes. All that stuff would make him more entertaining. I get the feeling that Jake Paul has either outgrown a fight with Dennis, or that at the second hurdle, Scott Coker would be like, well, we need a paycheck too. And Jake Paul and team are like, nah, we could find somebody else and not have to do the MMA thing. In which case, I will say this. There's a lot of talk about Tommy Fury, the younger, I don't think, is it brother or cousin of, you know, Mr. Heavyweight Champion Tyson Fury. Oh. And Tommy Fury is 5-0 and as a professional boxer. So they're like, well, how about this? And I'm like, that could be fun. I feel like, you know, if you're gonna if you're Jake Paul and you're gonna do that, then I'd be like, you know what? Alright. Now that's a legit fight. I'll be honest, I think you and Dennis at this point would be a more competitive fight than you and uh, you know, the other Fury. But if that's what you wanna do to prove you a legit boxer, then do not let me stop you. <laughs> and that's all I have to say about that. Okay. Um did you see the red catch? The finish, oh my God. the guy who faked the low blow. I did. And so, in fact, for that one, I was still going back and forth between UFC and Triller. And so I missed when I came back. I was like, oh, that guy's on the floor. And uh, I rewound it. And it was like he was on the canvas for like five minutes. I was like, oh, my goodness. He must be really, really hurt. And then I got to the to the point where I you know, <laughs> watched it in, in, in a regular speed. And I, I saw... What a crazy flop, man. That was like worse than World Cup soccer. <laughs> I mean, that was a ridiculous flop. So, so bad. 
His wife's up there yelling at progress. Like, are you kidding me? And he's kicking his feet uh, on the stretcher. Like, and what I what I do appreciate, uh, one of the few things I appreciate about the you know the giant commentary table, the like freaking Last Supper there, with, like thirty people on mics, <laughs> yes. is that they were honest and they called it out, you know, and and they were diplomatic ish because that didn't really deserve it. That was the most diplomatic they were all night. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm like, I'm sorry, bro, but it, I, you need to come out and make a statement now or forever hold your peace because, you know, that's going to follow you forever. So you either get ahead of this or you admit that you just flushed it down, the rep down the toilet. Um, Frank Mir. I mean, he did the best he could against a very talented guy and a, just a veteran's veteran in Steve Cunningham. Look, I'm not saying he's that. Tyson Fury said Steve Cunningham is his toughest fight ever. Fair. He 70 pound advantage and Steve still outboxed him all the way, all the rounds. Credit to Frank, credit to Steve. They did tell me and this is where we can now transition to the bit of the entertainment. The, Steve Cunningham said it's like oh they told us yeah 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 you guys are gonna go out in a bit and then the Triller production not the fight people the Triller production says oh hold on so and so is gonna perform it's gonna be 45 minutes Wow. and then oh we gotta and then after all that no 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 no, no we got one more and then it's like you know and he, he talks about it like man we like I get it this is their show but we were warmed up and ready and then the, the whole start and stop I will say this, when I look at it as a whole, the Frank Mir Cunningham fight, as much as I appreciated Frank's guts and heart, I can't tell you that was beautiful boxing. Same thing I'll say about the Jake Paul Ben Askren, definitely what I'll say about Red Catch Progress right about now. I can tell you that I, and look, maybe if I'm a younger demographic, which I'll admit I'm probably a little bit older than what they were hoping to hoping tuned in to watch Jake Paul. I felt like for the music and the boxing, I was let down. At least I'll say this, the Tyson Jones one, the Snoop killed it. And then the pacing with Jake Paul and all that, I was like, you know what, this ain't that bad. And then I thought, okay, you know, Bieber, like, look, I know this isn't 2010 or whenever when he was having his heyday, but... Okay, I know, I, I knew he would have a good live performance, and I will admit, I think he had a, probably the best music of the night in terms of watching it on TV. Yeah. I, having to sit through the Doja Cat and Snoop Dogg's group, I was like, maybe this music is better when I'm walking through the grocery store or with the rap when I'm cruising down the street like the gangster that I'm not. Yeah. It'd be better, but watching it on TV, I was like this is painful and that's just how i felt about it do you have anything to add about your thriller music experience not the maybe touch on how they related with the fights but the entertainment that's the big deal yeah the entertainment was it didn't entertain me it it was like i said at the start you know i'm not there for that and i i appreciate they're trying to do something new and different and appeal to a different audience but even i got to believe even the folks they're really catering to um, didn't appreciate the pacing. Like they got to work on the pacing, um, you know, let people perform one song maybe. Uh, also, I'm curious 
how much are they paying these performance, these performers? And because you got to believe they're doing it. They're paying them unless they just taken a cut of the company. I don't know. Or the cut of the pay-per-view. I don't know. I didn't really like it. It's not my cup of tea. Um, it really just frustrated me. And um, I, I just, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting idea, but they got to fine tune it. And I hope they listen to the feedback that they're getting from their, from the public because it's just not quite right yet. It's too much music, not enough boxing and not, not, not for me, not for me, especially not for $50, man. Like that's a lot for very little fighting. I think it's the level of boxing. I think that, um, I'll be honest, I think that they, a little, I could understand, cut back a little bit on the music. Maybe instead vest a little bit more recognizable names. Look, I, I know, I'll tell you this right now. I, one of my jobs, I work in a, you know, very public place. I hear Doja Cat at least like once every two hours, you know, mm-hmm. her hit. It's not that bad, you know. And once again, I hear it at least once every two hours. It's not that bad. I can't tell you that she had this great back catalog that was like, oh, I can't wait to watch her do this for 15 minutes. Yeah. I think, look, there's some performers that got a bit stronger back catalog. I would kind of put them up front. I'll also say this once again. I'm I'm too old to recognize any of Justin Bieber's songs right now. I'm just young enough that I could tell you I remember when so-and-so songs of his were a big deal on the radio. Uh I'll I'll admit that right now. So I think that that was the thing, is just the musical acts combined with the level of boxing we saw for the price. I was like, I don't know. I think they just missed the mark there. And then it ends the way it does in two minutes with that stoppage for the fight. It's like, you know, as a whole package, you know, you threw a lot of decent ingredients into the oven but that doesn't mean that you came out with the souffle you know yeah man yeah it could look good on paper when you have all these names from the music world and all these you know some names plus jake paul and ben Askren from the from the combat sports world you know it, it looks good on paper not quite right yet um i would like to give a shout out to the robot that jake paul had walking out with him though that was pretty um, baller it that was, was cool, pretty man. baller. And my, you know what? My first thought was like, dude, I bet Deontay Wilder is like, why didn't I hire someone <laughs> to wear my suit instead He's like, of walking out of it? That's a brilliant idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that was cool. I, I, I'll give him credit. It's like, you know what? That was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I, I will say this. I think that they are looking to improve on that. I know they've won the bidding war. Their next event is the Teofimo Lopez, who yeah, beat Lomachenko. Dude. That, look, do is it going to get the non-boxing and MMA people to watch? Probably not. But you, you are getting, quote-unquote, just higher-level boxing, if not maybe the personalities now, right? So, mm-hmm. you know what? That's fair. And there's a lot of demand to see Lopez after the fight with Loma. So, I will admit that Triller is, they're admitting, they're fully invested in a mixed bag. And that's what we're getting now. Yep. Um, let's talk about UFC because we could talk a lot about the Beebs and everything else. Oh, by the way, De La Hoya. Oh my God, let's go, baby! <laughs> my gosh, that. <laughs> you know what? I'll just say this right now. 
the day I become a Triller commentator is when I'll know I've made it. Because that <laughs> analogy, that was like the last supper commentary table of Mike. <laughs> like, they had so many people. I'm like, Pete Davidson, weren't you supposed to be talking? And I guess he hung out with them backstage. And I'm like, bro, at least crack some jokes at the desk during this madness. <laughs> Give me he, something. He was saying weird things. He When the, when the Asker and Paul fight first started, he said, I think I'm going to... Um, you know, uh, how do I say this? Uh, uh, I don't know how, how to say it nicely, but he was talking, talking about a sexual act. And uh, then they're, um, when they're fighting, he's like, I think they're going to kiss right now. Like he was just saying weird stuff, man. I, I gave a thumbs down to Pete Davidson, but De La Hoya, a thumbs up for enthusiasm. That was a whole lot of something. Oh boy. Uh, let's get to UFC. They had a good one. Um, uh, just Robert Whitaker, Kelvin Gastelum. 25 minutes. We got a lot of news, so I'm going to go through this one. 25 minutes. I was so impressed with Whitaker's ability to control the distance. And I was very impressed with the game, just the gameness of Gastelum. That was not an easy fight. That was not as easy as Rob made it look during the fight. When you see his face, you could tell that was not an easy fight. He ate a bunch of shots. Gastelum never gave up. He was always there, but I think after a while you could just tell that he needed something he didn't have if he was going to catch something, if he was going to catch Whitaker with something besides luck. Just Whitaker, we know he's got the gas tank, he had the speed, he just seemed to have his number. It was still a competitive fight, but the really telling and damaging shots, they weren't there for Kelvin, and he wasn't landing anywhere near a high enough output that he was gonna that he was stealing rounds. So um I was very impressed with Rob's ability to stay on the feet. Um he mixed it up well, got some good takedowns. Just a very solid, very just good Robert Whitaker performance in my opinion. What about you? I thought it was a, a couple of notches above good. I was really, really impressed. I, I dare say I thought it was superb performance by Robert Whitaker. I was really, really blown away. His footwork was impeccable. He had that power still. The speed, his hand, the speed of his hands was incredible. Cardio, as you said, just cardio for days, man. Cardio for days. Always had a bounce in his step. Um, I was very, very happy to see him, his performance. And, like, there's no way I could think of anybody else but but Israel Adesanya for him because he he has earned a second shot for sure. Uh, Kelvin Gaston, of course, did all he could. But, ah, man, I, I tug on my collar a little bit here. I get the feeling he's, he's plateauing. And, um, you know, I think that, that I always go back to this, but that – Canceled out with Whitaker, plus the the loss, the war, and then subsequent loss to Adesanya. Just haven't seen him, you know, get back to that that spot, and I don't think he will. I think he's kind of just going to stay in a straight line for for now, you know. So we'll see what happens. But but Robert Whitaker, a plus. Yeah, to touch on it with Gastelum, I think that um, look, the losses to Till and Hermanson, they were just the Till loss in particular, uninspired. And then just the way he very quickly got submitted by Jack, it was like, like the you know, there, there was almost no fight. And it's like, right. it, it was a very hard one to evaluate. I, I think the trick to it is that Gastelum in this moment, you got Costa up there, you got Vittori. I, I think that he could still compete with guys like that. 
But when you talk about, hey, can he put... How many fights do you think Kelvin needs to get to a title shot right now? Three? Maybe two. Maybe two if they were the right guys. Like if you were to fight, like let's say Costa and Brunson, you know, in his next two and win, maybe. But I just don't... It's tough to see him putting three together if he doesn't get those guys right. Just the way Brunson's fighting. It's very tough and... He's kind of had his shots at getting up there, right? You know, he was up there for a while at uh, welterweight. He got himself there at middleweight. And, um, you know, we talked about it. This is now two years since he was supposed to have that title fight with Whitaker, right? For all the yeah. marbles. And so uh, I will admit that um, he's still competitive. I think he's still a top five middleweight. I admit now it's... He needs a lot of he needs a really perfect kind of run right now if he's going to get that title shot because this really was his chance to break back in cuz off the Heinich fight people were saying it's like well you're looking at a middle of the pack contender you're not looking at the top 3 you're looking at maybe you know 4 through 7 for Kelvin so it's it's tough to see him get back there unless he gets the right matchups but he's still very fun and I do think he is going to get one of those fights, either a Brunson or someone like that, or a Costa. Um, but man, Robert Whitaker, and we said it, Marvin Vittori, five-fight win streak, solid. He's good. But the way Robert Whitaker's been, when you look at his body of work, um, he's beaten literally the top three guys, the top two guys that Adesanya himself picked out. Till, Cannoneer, um... Look, the Costa win would have been nice. The Kelvin win, it's not that bad either, if you ask me. If you think about it, Whitaker won all the rounds. Adesanya only won three out of five. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to de- deny Whitaker deserves a second one. I think that this is the time for it with Adesanya coming off a loss. And I'll say it, you know, my final one to throw in the, you know, in the running. New Zealand has been doing pretty well. By this fall, first stadium show for the UFC, New Zealand. This time, Whitaker goes to Adesanya's backyard. Oh, okay. I like it. Let's do it. You know what? If they got it under control, why not? That would be beautiful. Okay. (laughs) I think it's the right mix, the right guys at the right time. Solid undercard. Let's do it. Um, Before we move on from the UFC too much, this one, the Jeremy Stevens thing with Drakkar Close. Have you seen the clip yes. of Steve? And oh, so goodness. if you don't know, the, a banger of a co-main event, they weigh in, Close gets in the face of Stevens, Stevens gives him a very solid shove, Close has to take quite a few steps back, he does go most of the length of the his half of the stage at the weigh-ins, right? And come Saturday afternoon, you know, we get word the fight is cancelled, uh... Drakkar Close was having a lot of medical issues, migraines. He was getting up and vomiting. Uh, He said the only thing that helped was lying down in a dark room. And a lot of professionals said uh, that is textbook whiplash. Probably, you know, the snap with the neck and everything. And uh, just, you know, recoverable. But the fact is that uh, that shove took him out. Um, What were your thoughts? Because I want to touch on the medical stuff really quick. It was, it was really surprising that, you know, I saw the video and I was, 
you know, kind of, I was, not kind of, I was bothered by it. it seemed unnecessary. It didn't seem like they, like, Dracar Close did anything. I don't even think he was that close to him. Okay, fine. He pushes him. It was, to me, it was a very strong, almost violent push. And Dracar Close, not expecting it, just his body got, <laughs> got whipped, right? Exactly what does happen to you in a car accident. So when I found out the fight was canceled, and then that he had, like, a cervical sprain or something... You know, man, that sucks. That's not fair. And and what I also thought was people are probably going to take Jeremy Stevens' side here and say that Dracar Close is spaking it or, you know, um, trying to take advantage. But I really don't think so. If you go back and watch that footage, it was a hard, unexpected push. Dracar Close, not not expecting it. Um, Really hard. His whole body did go back and forth. Um, I believe him and I think it sucks and I hope that like Jeremy Stevens you can't just get away with that I don't know what the UFC can or will do but I don't think you should get away with that I mean I will say this Dana White has a lot of questions coming up um, at this week's press conference but uh, when I saw that I feel like one thing I gotta note we have seen a lot of similar shoves over the years that's not new so when i heard this like you know i see that and i'm like what the heck happened this is something we've seen plenty of people do i'll even say it we encourage it we huh. like it we're here for the violence i right, think that, right. that that's not a secret um yeah sometimes we don't say it as often i think it sounds bad but i think fans who love it we get it and you know that's what sells it i want to point something out the old days the weigh-ins, you know, so they weigh in officially 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. local time, usually. And then ceremonial weigh-ins that you see on TV with the fans and all that stuff, Joe Rogan's come, you know, announcing it. That happened maybe about 3 to 4 p.m., somewhere in that window, usually. That is, you know, let's say a fighter were to weigh in at, like, 9 a.m. That is now what? We're coming up on 5 ish hours to rehydrate get you know get the get their strength back a little bit during covid times you're talking about now they could weigh in at 11 a.m and i've been there it could be a little before 11:30. that scale is gone and dana white is lining these guys up and facing them off that is half hour depending on how late you show up to the weigh-in window that is a lot less time your body may not necessarily be all the way like, hey, I've gotten all my fluids in me and all this. Look, the weight cuts are still hard. Just because there's no ceremonial weigh-ins and we're still facing off does not mean that, you know, we've found a way to s- speed up the rehydration process. So when I think about the way that went down, I was like, I was disappointed. I was disappointed, one, in Jeremy, uh, two, the fact that they kind of let that happen. I I have to look back. I don't think Dana was there for these face-offs. Though. That was Sean Shelby. Yep. Um, uh, I, I get it. I'll just say this right now. Sean Shelby isn't really known for, you know, break, 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 you know? Right, right. <sighs> I think this is a learning lesson. Because remember, these guys didn't get paid. And you know what? At the end of the day, you want a jaw and this and that. The second you do something that costs you money that's when people react because now it's like no really you just spent 10 weeks cut the weight and you're not getting any cash and let's be honest it's now on close you know if he's not ready in a while that fight doesn't happen 
if somebody else says, nah, you know, like, I, I just had a fight or this and that, I can't fight Jeremy in two weeks. Well, here we are again. So uh, I was very disappointed in the way it all played out. And I think that that's just a reminder, like, hey, look, you know, it's a fine line, but that you can still cross it easily and there should still be caution. And I'll just leave it at that. Has Jeremy said anything about since since the fight was canceled? Like I didn't uh, see that he did. Did you? I didn't know, but I, I'm curious what he's thinking. Does he regret it? Does he think poorly of clothes? And also, like, what prompted him to give such a hard shove, man? Like, I really, to me, there was no antagonizing antagonizing there. So, but you, you, to you, it seemed like his uh, Drakkar close was getting too too close. <laughs> I thought so. Okay, uh, okay. Stevens hasn't said anything. He's just kind of posted from his window, just like the views on his story. So, okay. I mean, I don't know. He might be like, well, you know what? I did what everyone else does when someone gets in your face. And it's like, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I am. I do also acknowledge that neither of you guys got paid. And that's yep. what else can you say? Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about some MMA news. Let's just condense these. Uh, we had some announcements over the last week, specifically light heavyweight champion Jan Blahovich and bantamweight champion Amanda Nunes have their next fights. Um, Blahovich, he'll be fighting the number one contender, Glover Tashira. No surprise. That one, it's UFC 266 on September 4th. Tashira, five-fight win streak. Stopped Anthony Smith and Tiago. Jan Blahovich, he's been on a roll. Dominic Reyes, Israel Adesanya. Great run going into this one. Amanda Nunes, she's on a 12-fight win streak. <laughs> she wins number 13. I think there's only five other fighters who have ever reached 13 in a row, specifically under the UFC. That's how few. Five people. By the way, I've seen it. Of those five, only one have gone further than 13, and that's Anderson Silva with 16. Uh, Juliana Pena is going to have to be the David against Goliath because she's coming off a very long one-fight win streak over Sarah McMahon. Um, thoughts on these fights as they've yeah, been announced? I'll go quick here. Uh, Blahovitz to Sarah. I'm happy to see Teixeira get another title shot. I think it's going to be a tough challenge for him. Blahovitz sort of seems unstoppable right now, but I'm I'm looking forward to the fight, and so I'll leave it at that. We'll break it down when the time comes. Nunez Pena, uh, yeah, probably it'll be lucky number thirteen for Nunez. Pena's has that interesting, you know, stop start in her UFC career with injury and then you know motherhood and all that stuff. So. Um, I don't know how much of a challenge she'll be, but she's bigger and stronger than most of Nunez's other opponents. Uh, so it could be, you know, it may not necessarily be a quick a quick finish for Nunez. It could be maybe maybe we'll even get to a decision. I don't know. We'll see. But um, it'll be one of her bigger challenges um, as far as the grappling and power uh, go. What do you what do you what are you looking at here? What's uh, what are your feelings? I think my biggest thing is you're talking about, and ironically, they fought on the same night. Their last fights were so intriguing, right? You had Blahovich stopping out of Sonya's double champ, you know, ambitions. Amanda Nunes kind of retired the featherweight divisions. And if I'm being honest, no, neither of these fights have that kind of heat. What I will say is that stylistically, the fight between Blahovich and Tashira 
two of the good guys, and two stylistically very fun fighters to match up. You know they're going to get in each other's face. There's going to be some heavy hands. They might take it to the ground. It's just a well-balanced diet of MMA between those two, right? With none of the hate, which is always, you know, refreshing every now and then, if I may say so myself. With Amanda, you know, I'll admit this. Like, Juliana Pena is going, you know, all in, just pushing all those chips to the dealer and saying, you know what, this is my moment. I'm either going to get it or I'm not. Because when you look at this, her resume doesn't scream title challenger. It's really the fact that Amanda Nunes has already scrubbed the floor with the other two top contenders in the division. All right, that's fair enough. We're still doing this. I I recognize that Juliana is kind of trying to kind of pump herself into that fight. Like, hey, you know, like she's saying all the right things. She's doing the pro wrestling heel turn and all that. I think the numbers don't lie. And I think that... uh. I think that's going to reflect. I'm really interested to see how they stack up Nunez's undercard. Because even with this one, it's hard to sell anybody against Amanda right now. Especially at women's bantamweight, where it's just, you know, truth be told, it's been slim pickings for years now. And that's what makes it so tough to sell. But um, look, uh, I know Amanda struggled with wrestlers. Is does she still struggle? Because if she doesn't, I could tell you that's a long night for Juliana. And I think that that's not a secret when you look at them stylistically. So it's going to be quite something. But I will admit off the bat, no, these fights don't carry the same heat. That being said, when you've done everything they've done, this is what happens. You've cleared all the big fights because you've been dominant and you've won them. So I'll acknowledge that. What about yourself? Anything left to add? No, man. I think I think that's it because yeah, I think we covered it. Like Nunes Pena, I'm ex- I'm not excited about it, but you know, I guess I'm looking forward to seeing Nunes continue to get to that record-breaking number. And uh, like I said, Blahovich Teixeira, it's going to be a good fight, but you know, if I'm going to give an early indication of where my feelings will be in September. Lohovich has the advantage pretty strongly there. I agree, too. I think he's just really hit his stride. But, man, so is Glover. I know. It, it would be cool, though, because of the journey, right? The journey from fighting John Jones and then having to climb all the way back to the top. And at his age, no one expecting him. That would be awesome. That man's aging like a fine wine. I give him I that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes or no? Uh, Eddie Alvarez will be the one to box De La Hoya in uh, July. I mean, that's that's shocking because De La Hoya was... I listened to the three knockdown rule, Mario Lopez, uh, the podcast, the boxing podcast that he has. Um, and, like, he's on there. De La Hoya's on there saying, I'm fighting a top guy. Like, it's going to be a real boxing fight. Okay, so Eddie Alvarez, Eddie Alvarez is a top combat sports athlete, but that's not... The same. A real boxing <laughs> fight, okay? And it's it's like what Jake Paul's doing by picking Ben Askren or, or even Dylan Danis. De La Hoya gets to say, well, this is a legitimate name. He's a champion. And, you know, he's one of the, the most recognized. He's a legend. Okay, great. But he's not known for, for his boxing, first of all. And, like, you're a freaking gold medal boxer, gold medalist boxer. Like, you're one of the greatest boxers ever. 
you still have power, you still have speed. It's like a tune-up. It's like a mega tune-up because you're fighting a, an MMA guy. However, do they have my forty nine ninety nine again? Yeah, of course. <laughs> if it's uh, true. I gotta check this real quick. Oscar, Oscar De La Hoya, how old is he? He's uh, 47, 48? 48. I'll just say it right now. He has no business boxing anybody under 45. Eddie Alvarez is 37. I don't care. He's okay. never boxed professionally. You know what happens. No way, bro. Come Tyron on. Woodley, same thing. A lot of these guys, same thing. I'm sorry, but Oscar fights anybody under 45. That is in... That is not an exhibition. That's an execution. What? I, I said it. I said it right here on MMA Dude, Daily. I said golden it. Golden boy. Okay. I, I look, it, I've met him before. Nice guy. <laughs> you ain't going to be boxing Eddie Alvarez, Oscar. You know that. You not think unless... he doesn't stand a chance against Eddie Alvarez in a boxing match? You think he does? Yes, it's Oscar De La Hoya, man. Not at the, yeah, 48 Oscar. This I mean, is not, him. the golden boy has lost his shine at 48, Let's go, baby. Man. Let's go, baby. Come on. Let's talk about I think, chance. I think he does. I think he can easily win. I've seen him. No, it's just shadow boxing. But even at his age, shadow boxing, he's in great shape. He still got pop, man. Come on. Man, but okay. it, 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 shadow boxing is like hidden pads. It doesn't take that much to look good doing it. Yeah, I love Ronda Rousey, but she looked pretty good hidden pads. Not so much hidden people. Dude, I look like Wonderboy Thompson hidden pads, and I'm on a roll. <laughs> Come on. Anyway, Ooh. let's talk about some real MMA. We got a lot. Um, let, let's start. You know, what? let's start from the bottom up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the first title fight this Saturday, Vice Star Veterans Memorial Arena. Dana White's coming back to, you know, this was when he brought MMA back. He's bringing it full circle to end the apocalypse almost a year later. Full arena of fans. The same place where they first came back for the UFC. The first title fight, Valentina Shevchenko against Jessica Andrade. I'm going to give my take real quick, you know, because I know we have a lot of them. I love the fight. I love Jessica's game. I think everyone knows this. She fights with that gangster. She is nonstop. She goes at you until she's stopped you or the ref is saying you're done. she's done hurting your, her opponent. Very fun. We know she's got the strength on the ground when she's on top. Her biggest struggle is those fighters like a Joanna and Rose, their ability to maintain the distance, to not be there when, you know, Jessica counters a la Robert Whitaker on Saturday. She has struggled heavily against those. We remember the fight with Joanna. We remember, you know, round one with Rose. Even the rematch last summer with Rose, you know, is her ability to not get that, not land with that output that led to her losing the decision. All of that together, you're now talking about she has to close the distance on arguably the best fighter awake, you know, in women's MMA, who's the best at maintaining the distance. And is a weight class higher than her usual at 115 for Jessica Andrash. That's a big mountain to climb. Does she have a lot more pop than a lot of the girls I think that Valentina's fought recently? Absolutely. And you gotta respect that. Jessica Andrash doesn't go away quietly most of the time. That makes it a fun fight, but the ability to maintain the distance is gonna be a big tall big mountain for her to climb against Shevchenko. What about you? Yeah, I agree. Tall mountain to climb. I do love this fight also. Of course, Shevchenko's my lady, but Andrade is, a, is legitimately like one of her toughest challenges. 
at, at 125. So this is going to be a great test of Shevchenko being able to just be her, you know, as they say in the Jersey Shore, to do you. Keep that distance, fight smart, excellent counters, sharp counters. Use that, you know, grappling, wrestling base that she's developed over the years to keep Andrade from taking her down. And if she gets taken down, it's totally possible that she can, you know, use her while to, to get herself back up on top and just touch, 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 touch. I think that's the, the key to victory for Shevchenko here. She's not going to drop her with a head kick like she did to Jessica I. So touch and evade, touch and evade, you know, stick and move, right? That's that's the key to victory here. And um, does Shevchenko have an uh, opportunity to finish Andrade? Maybe, maybe, but it's a risk to take, you know, like Weili Zhang was willing to, to, to go... Um, to go in there because Andrade charged in first. Shevchenko will never uh, charge first, and Andrade, I don't think, at, with this title shot and so much on the line, is going to do that either with, with Valentina Shevchenko. You, you kind of know better, right? So it could be one of those that goes to decision, but Shevchenko is going to be controlling the pace, controlling the distance. It's going to be her her fight. She's going to have some, some, some moments here and there, I do believe, with Andrade. But I, I think she'll be able to, for the most part, like 90% of the time, keep the fight in her, uh, in her, keep the ball in her back, in her, uh, in her court, I should say. I mean, you're talking, once again, I mean, just stylistically, it's a very difficult one, like you said, for Andrade, but I expect big things out of her. I expect her to really push Shevchenko in a lot of ways we haven't seen in a while. I think namely use the kicks i think that she just has to vary her game and this becomes a lot more competitive of fight than it might seem you know on paper when you when you consider their previous body of work but um i feel like shevchenko's really just got a style that's so equipped to deal with someone like andrage and so (sighs) jessica i love you you know i love watching you on tv but i gotta go shevchenko for the win I'm going to say third round TKO. Oh, wow. You know, like no, that. second. I'm going to go second. second. I think she's going to get her down and she's going to just put that, uh, you know, sequence together. Damn, bro. Okay. I, I'm i going to probably maybe surprise you. I think it's going to be Shevchenko by decision. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I do. I, mean, I know you... that seems, as I said out loud, can Andrade keep up for five rounds? we'll see but i just think it's going to be harder for shevchenko than than it seems like on paper according to natalie she can so (laughs) (laughs) according to me she can i know because this is my lady valentina shevchenko are you kidding me but i mean something tells me that it's going to go the distance (sighs) let's move to the co-main event right about jake paul just gonna say you know what i don't want to talk to you anymore (laughs) okay (laughs) this fight might be my most the one i'm looking forward to the most um overall coming up and that's zhang wei li looking to defend against rose namayunas when you know how good rose can be first round against jessica the fights with joanna and then you think about when wei li goes to war she's got such a diverse game she's got a lot of power for straw weight She's got diverse attack with the kicks. She's not afraid to spin. She's not afraid to try to take you down if she wants to or needs to. It's got all the ingredients for a fun fight. 
when you talk about the fact that it's going to be very awkward when they get to the press conference and people are asking Wei Li about her politics, that kind of says everything you need to know about how good this one can be. And I think it's the fact that, you know, and we'll have this to a degree in the main event, but honestly, Rose beats Wei Li, you're talking about, hey, how good would she have been had she defeated Jessica Andrade two years ago? And she didn't have to, you know, she's only fought twice in two years, right? I mean, you're going to be like, hey, she's picking up where she left off as a champion. So I think that when you add all those ingredients together, there's such a level of intrigue because I think Rose has still got that status that if she were to reclaim the belt, you'd be like, hey, you know, this is one of the baddest girls in all of MMA. And then if Wei Li wins, I mean, what can you say? She's kind of like the you know, the new kid on the block, just she's officially the it girl in MMA right now. When you talk about you've beaten Joanna, Jessica and Rose back to back to back. What can you say? Oh boy. This is a, this is very, very exciting fight. Great, great matchup. I think, however, though, that the injection late in the game here of the politics has changed the stakes in a way that could really change the outcome of the fight. I, I was expecting to see maybe a measured um, back and forth, but I think as far as Weili Zhang goes, you know, it wasn't her who brought the politics into it, but China don't mess around. And so I think whether she wants it, wanted to or not, her hand is probably going to be like metaphorically forced. Like now she's really got to represent, right? Oh, yeah. So, uh, and, and that's, that's gotta be motivating in so many, so many ways when you think about where, you know, she's from. And so I expect to see Wei Li Zhang kind of just coming out ready to finish the fight at any cost and, you know, being able to go to war for five rounds, but also being able to find a way to finish Rose if the opportunity arises, I think she's going to be in kill mode and, um, and, and it's going to be up to Rose Namajunas to just be like alert the whole time and to stay focused, to stay focused. That's going to be her main challenge is staying focused. Of course she has all the physical tools. She's an excellent MMA fighter all around. She's gritty, tough, all the amazing things. I'm a huge Rose Namajunas fan. I'm rooting for her in this fight, but the dial has been turned up uh, for her opponent. And I think that could be a game changer here. So ooh, it's like, it just makes me very nervous now. You know what? For me, the biggest thing is Wei Li has to really diversify her attack. I think she's got to do a lot of those textbook things consistently. Start with the hands, end with the kicks, hard kicks, finish with the hands. Everything has to really be about mixing it up because... I don't think she can just straight up try to outbox Rose. I don't think she could just try to go for one kick, just try to chop away. Rose, when she's dialed in, she's arguably the best one at 115 pounds at maintaining the distance. I think you could argue that even compared to Joanna, Rose can do a lot of the same things Joanna can do with more sting behind the punches. That's how she got the job done. So I think that when you talk about the best Rose against the best Wei Li, it comes down to the best Wei Li really getting in the distance 
really chopping away at Rose because I think that similar to Joanna, when you started to chop away at Rose's mobility, then she had to kind of sit down and put a little more behind the punches. Rose, I don't favor in a firefight over Whaley. I think one, you saw Whaley, I think doesn't get as much credit, but she's got a significant amount of pop. There's mm-hmm. someone who knocked out Jessica Andrade in a firefight in one round. Yep. That That's, that's power for 115. Also, when you talk about the war with Joanna, durable, tough. You know, this isn't someone who's who goes away quietly. That being said, Rose keeps this fight at mid-range the way that she's able to do. This becomes a long fight because if there's one thing that Wei Li hasn't shown is that she's necessarily the biggest at, um, at mid-range, get in and out, slip and counter with her punches. She kind of has to wade into the water a little bit in order to get that offense really rolling. And that could be one of the things that proves very detrimental against Rose. So it's quite the competitive fight. Um, What's your official pick? Because I'm a little nervous now too. (laughs) Yeah, the nerves are are building here. So even though I suspect, or not I suspect, even though I feel strongly that Weili Zhang is going to come out sort of guns blazing here, uh, Rose is, is smart and slick, and we've seen her do it time and time again. Uh, she can keep the distance, as you said, and her footwork is excellent. The way she circles out like Lomachenko, like Manny Pacquiao, she's so good at that. So I think she's going to be able to stave off the initial attack from Whaley. I think it's going to go the distance. Rose Namajunas by decision. Oh, boy. That's a good pick. I gotta say though, like with this, I I, I want to add something. I, I would feel a certain type of way if you said the things about me that Rose said about Wei Li. I will say that I think that one of the things that makes Wei Li special is that she's got that mindset, and I don't think a lot of those things bother her. I think she's a very eyes on the mission and get the job done kind of athlete and I think that that's something you know not always there for every single person at that level and I think that's what's helped her perform I think that the year off I think she's a lifelong martial artist who's always growing I think that she's gonna have the blueprint to beat Rose Namajunas I think she's gonna chop away the mobility and I think she's gonna work the body and eventually she's just gonna wear her down you know what? I'm a roll the dice. I'm feeling myself that much. Wei Li Zhang, sorry, Zhang Wei Li, first round knockout. Woo! She's just like gonna zi- she's gonna zig and zag. It's gonna be like what's her name? Jessica Andrade, Karolina yep. Kovalkiewicz, just and people are gonna be like, dang, like there go you know. I don't know if you watch a lot of basketball, but yeah. there you know, mama, there goes that woman. <laughs> Just bad. I think it's going to be like that for Whaley. I think it's going to be like, you know what? <sighs> Shouldn't have said it. Shouldn't have said it. Shouldn't have said it. Yeah, don't yeah. cry. Uh, you know? <laughs> um, uh, oh, okay. let's take it. Let's move to the main event because uh, otherwise we might just still be here in that shock for a while. <laughs> um, unless you have more to add about Zhang Whaley and Rose. No, nah, man. I mean, I think I think we nailed it. So let's go. <laughs> Um, the rematch, um, they're coming with the, the big guns in my, not Miami, but Jacksonville in Florida, uh, Kamaru Usman versus Jorge Masvidal too. 
the BMF against the undisputed champion. Um, look, there's a lot to enjoy about. It. I think the fact that it's coming together quickly. There's no real heat. Like I think all of that kind of got burnt out. You're really just acknowledging the fact that both of these guys want bragging rights for the simple fact that they, you know, it's not about the face. It's just about the fact that they want to win against the guy who people have been saying stuff. I don't think there's beef there. And now you're talking about Kamaru Usman. He's really putting it all on the line because he's given Jorge a chance to right the wrong. He's given Jorge a chance to take that L and come right back and take everything from him now and potentially skyrocket his popularity now, right? Yeah. This is a big fight in that way. When I look at it stylistically, Natalie, the thing I always remember most is that it, at mid-range, even in the first fight, Jorge Masvidal was so much more of a fluid striker. He had so much better control of that mid-range distance. Just, you could see it. Kamaru couldn't outbox him. He wasn't really throwing kicks. And it, it really just came down to Kamaru really had to keep clenching and push him forward and close the distance and hold him against the fence for that slower-paced fight, right? I think about Jorge Masvidal's had a lot of time to think about that fight. He's had a lot of time work with the coaches at uh, ATT. And the real X factor, I got to say, Natalie, I think about that fight with Gilbert Burns for Kamaru Usman. And we talked about it. You know, he's working with Trevor Whitman and what can he add to the game? That first round saw Kamaru Usman get tagged like frequently, like he got hurt. You know, I think the biggest thing is that Kamaru, for all his weapons and his size in that division, he's his speed probably is the that that one Achilles heel. And I think when you talk about the guys like Masvidal, um, Wonderboy Thompson, I think that's the one thing that could give him problems is that if he can't reach you quick enough against these high-level guys who have that better awareness and speed like Masvidal and Thompson, that's where he really has his biggest struggles. Even against a guy like Colby Covington with his game, I think that just stylistically, Kamaru struggles with those guys. And in that way, this becomes a very intriguing fight if Masvidal can keep himself from getting corralled like he did the first time. Yeah, this... I mean, this is for all the marbles right here, right? Last this time probably, I checked. <laughs> this is this is Jorge Masvidal's, I want to say his last hurrah. There's still plenty of money on the table, plenty of fights for him to, to have, but probably this is the last shot at a title. If, you know, uh, this is the last shot at a title, yeah. Um, and not because he's not awesome, not great, but just unless this is like a close fight, uh, or a draw or something like uh, there's not going to be anything compelling to, to for this to get booked again when there's other other you know juicy fights to make for him. I liked what he said to Ariel Halwani and he's probably said it other places, but that's just the interview I saw talking about on six days notice, flying all over the world, having to cut 20 pounds. He was there with Kamaru. At the end of the fight, he tells him that's on six days, right? He says, "Where was that guy?" He wasn't the he wasn't a killer. He wasn't trying to be the most violent man on earth against me. He was just being Kamaru's. He, he he you know according to Jorge Masvidal. 
So Jorge Masvidal, as usual, with all the great zingers and one-liners, says, I promise violence, right? That's what I'm bringing. I'm bringing violence. Double G, I believe him wholeheartedly. I think, as you said, he's had so much time to think about this fight. I bet he knew instantly when the fight was over all the things he, he needed to do to to come out victorious with the next uh, in the next round, in the next fight, I should say. So I believe him. He's bringing violence, and I think he's going to take it to Kamara Usman. And it's going to be freaking awesome. I think it's going to be a really cool fight. You know, so here's the thing about it is that this is the biggest gamble for Jorge because he's uh, when you think about post-BMF fight, fought once in 2020. If he loses this one, I don't know if we see him again in 2021. You know, like I've maybe at the end, but you're talking about all that heat. You know, the wind is out of your sails when you lose two in a row. It just is a fact, right? Mm-hmm. I will say, though, stylistically, this might be one of the best fights possibly for him just because of Kamaru's pace. Kamaru has a lot of weapons, it's about how he puts them together. But I think my biggest thing is that, uh, I I see all the ways Jorge wins this one. I really do. I think, though, it's going to come down to a bit of that championship medal from Kamaru. I think that it's going to be a little bit of you're going to have to just bite down. You're going to have to just be ready to wrestle him. And uh, you're just going to have to push him. You're just going to have to use that physicality. I think that's the biggest thing is that uh, Kamaru physically is one of the tougher guys to get a hold of at welterweight and i think that that was the one thing that bailed him out against masvidal is that he could stack up with jorge in the power and i think that that's going to be the biggest thing he's just going to have to push him and get him down and i think that uh on six weeks notice they've done every all the research and all the homework they feel like they need to and i think he's going to get the job done i'll say this we're going to get another five rounder but I'm going to say, uh, I think it's going to be history repeating. Kamaru Usman gets the victory. Wow. Okay. That's completely logical. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> it's not what I want to see. Um, which, you know, how much does that matter? I don't know. But I'm going to tell you more. What I, I'm going to tell you that actually what I want to see and what I think will happen line up here. And I believe the violence will, will get us a, uh, a new champion in round four. I think it's going to be Jorge Masvidal, TKO round four. TKO round four. Oof, boy, oh boy. Oh, man. <laughs> I feel like we're, wait, uh, besides Shevchenko, we're split on two title fights. Oh, man, this hasn't happened in a minute. Yeah, but even uh, with Shevchenko, I mean, I like your prediction, round one knockout, right? Or TKO, round one, two. Well, I would hope you like that one. I mean, come on. <laughs> Anyway, it's going to be quite something. And uh, I'm excited for the fans to be back. I think it's going to be a good one. Um, I, I think that when you think about how good those three fights could be, there's a lot of reason to be excited about, you know, a full house watching all that unfold. So I'll say I'm here for that. I'm there for that. Uh, Natalie and uh, can you believe it? It rolls on. There's more one championship. PFL comes back this week with Anthony Pettis. 
Then next week it comes back with Rory McDonald. Uh, Dominic Reyes comes back. He'll take on Jiri Prochaska. And you know what? We just keep rolling. What are your thoughts, man? Yeah, just keep rolling. Like, full capacity crowd in Florida. That's going to be... Maybe that's an X factor. We haven't talked about it for the fights. You know, all these folks that are fighting haven't fought in front of a crowd in a long time. Uh, maybe some, a little bit in Abu Dhabi, but that's about it. So who knows? Uh, maybe the, the roar of the crowd could throw some people off, could motivate them even more. I don't know. I'm excited to see. You can tell us firsthand, right? You'll be there. And uh, and maybe, uh, I don't know, it'll be a first. What, when's the last time you were in a full crowd <laughs> covering MMA? Oh. You know what? Uh, Cyborg versus Julia Budd in Bellator. There you go, yeah. You know what? Yep. I have not gotten to enjoy the crowd noise in a long time. So, yes, this is going to be that one for me to come back and enjoy it. So, yeah, guys, like Natalie said, you can catch me at Cageside Press. Follow me at Double G on TV. Anything I do on camera, I always retweet it there, no matter who I'm doing it for, whether it's Cageside or anywhere else. So, you guys could always find me there. Same thing on Twitter and Instagram. And, uh, yeah, you know what? As I get through the week, I'm just like, you know what? This next month with, you know, the triple header and then Houston with the lightweight title. You know what? We're going to have a nice spring. And then, you know, we're ramping up to the summer. Poirier McGregor, July, Las Vegas. I think it's going to be a good one, Natalie, if I do say so myself. Oh, yes. Yes, sir. All right. Well, guys, definitely thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back next week.